So we got a great topic that we're going to study uh, tonight on uh, God's provision, financial provision for us. Uh, I think Dave mentioned last last week uh, Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. Well, we do that here, and so uh, John and I was talking a couple of weeks ago about you know if there's a if there's enough people. You want to take this course? Let let John know, and then we can put a course together, or we can find somebody that is putting on the course if we don't have enough. It's really, really, uh, if if you have never uh, never taken the course, it is a real blessing. It really is. You really learn a lot of good things about how to manage your finances and all of that. So today we're going to talk about God's plan for for uh, prosperity for the believers. Now, who doesn't want to be prosperous? <laughs> yeah. The poverty is part of the curse. That's part of the curse of the law. And we're not under that curse anymore. God has made provisions for us uh, in all parts of our life. And I can tell you this with it by experience, without any doubting, I know this is true. You can achieve financial peace if you apply what you're going to hear tonight to your financial life. Uh, you know, I have been so broke that I, you know, I reached out hoping to find a penny in my pocket and there wasn't one. And so I know what it's like to be without. And uh, Josie and I early in our marriage got a hold of this, and we applied these principles to our life, and it has caused us to prosper. So I know that it works. The principle of sowing and reaping will work in every aspect of our life, whether it's in our finances or whatever it is. God's law of sowing and reaping works in our life. Uh, it works in your marriage. It works in your financial life. It works in your relationship with people at work. Everything that you do, you're sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple, two or three weeks ago, when John Pope he talked about the world being upside down to the kingdom of God, and it is. It's contrary, both are contrary to the other. In John seventeen fourteen, Jesus was praying to the Father for us, and he said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. John fifteen eighteen says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me because it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. We're not of the world. So sometimes I wonder why do I try sometimes to fit in? 
to the thing that I'm not part of. It doesn't apply to me. If we're the world, we shouldn't look like the world. Our ways should be different. Our ways should be better than the ways of the world. Uh, there are, in this, in among people, they are givers. And if you're a giver, you're a sower. And so if you're a sower, you're a receiver. So as believers, we need to know how to give and how to receive. Because if you plant seed, if you're a farmer and you go out and you plant seed, at some point you're going to want to go out and harvest the crop that you have. So we are, we are givers and we are receivers, but there's also takers in this world. And so a taker uh, in the world always takes, but it never sows back into the world. It never sows back in, into, the, into the field. So they never have a crop. They never can get above where they are because they're not sowing. They're only taking. So if you did the, if you did the uh, uh, workbook, they had a little deal in there that we're gonna. I want to. I want to read about about uh, the way our government operates. How we operate in America. But you know, God isn't the God that created a welfare system where you've got generations of poor people that you never. They never uh, get any better because they have just enough to get by. And that is the way the welfare system is. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's not godly because can you imagine being in something where you've been in seven to eight generations and this is grandma and this is mama and my great-grandpa and this is the best that we can get and then you get that frame of mind that this is the best that it's going to be for me. Well, we shouldn't have that mind because we've got a big God. It wants to bless us. And so we've got to change our thinking sometimes because we go in and expect too little from a God that owns cattle on a thousand hills. It's like we don't think he owns cattle on a thousand hills. He's got one poor old milk cow that can barely give milk. So our ways aren't the way of the world. One of the benefits of following God in our finances is that it is one of the hardest things uh, for us. It's one of the hardest things for us to do. You know, we was born, everything, every, everybody that's born in this world is born into Satan's kingdom. So that's what we learn until we come to Jesus. And uh, so we think that we're... Uh, I'm not worthy of this, and we're not, but Jesus made us worthy, you know. And so God's got this great plan for us. In your workbook, I'm going to read a little bit out of the, on page 137. It said, Jesus came to lift the curse from the earth. Poverty is a curse. It's been lifted. If you're living in poverty, God's got something better for you. 
If you're living just hand to mouth, God's got something better for you. And so, uh, John 10.10 said that Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly, that I might be full, my life might be full and meaningful. According to scriptures, God's will is that we have more than enough for our needs. He's the God of more than enough. He's not the, not the God from hand to mouth that I'm just hoping to make it till the next payday. That's not the God we serve. And he's made provisions for us. And, and uh, this is the same God that said that takes care of me. And he says, I will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. On page 145, and we talked about the welfare system, so the greatest thing that we can ultimately do for the poor is preach the gospel to them and show them how to enter into God's covenant for blessing and prosperity. It's a matter of historical record that wherever the gospel is preached and people embrace it, prosperity will eventually flow follow for the individual society into the nation. So, God wants to prosper you. We're going to be doing a lesson later on on faith. But everything that we've said so far, you've got to have faith. You've got to have faith and believe to walk in walk in uh in the things that have been taught here. Uh I'll tell you some some things about uh, me and Josie's life. God has sometimes asked us to give what we didn't couldn't spare, you know? But when we were obedient to it, we had more than enough. Now how does that work? That's upside down, isn't it? That's different in the world because we have a God that is a God of more than enough. Uh, in the Old Testament, talking about tithing, tithe is a tenth of the fruits, the, the fruits, first fruits of our labor. The God commanded be brought forth to the priest in order to supply the needs of the ministry and to be placed in the storehouses. Nehemiah 10.38 says, In the priest, the descendants of Aaron will be with the Levites. When the Levites receive tithes, then the tithes shall bring up a tenth, the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of God, to the temple, to the rooms of the storehouse. Back then, the tithe is comprised of everything God had given to us. Leviticus 27 and Nehemiah 10. It was to the land, to the seed of the land, the fruit of the tree, the herds and flock. It was was not an easy thing to figure what your tithe was. You just didn't sit it, sit down and look at your check stub and multiply it by 10% and you got it. The tithe, uh, the tithe wasn't for alms. It wasn't for offerings. It was for the tithe. The three main areas of giving, giving flow from our, from that we tithe is, was times, talents, and treasures. Why tithing is so important. 
Malachi 3, 8 through 12 says, You people are robbing me, your God, and here you are asking, how are we robbing you? You are robbing me of the offerings and of the 10% that belongs to me. That's why your whole nation is under a curse. This is the Old Testament. And I am the Lord, all-powerful, and I challenge you to put me to the test. Isn't that great? The God that created everything says, I challenge you, test me. Bring the entire 10% into the storeroom so there will be food in my house. Then I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing. Also says he will rebuke the devourer. I will also stop locusts from destroying your crops and keeping your vendors from producing. Everyone of every nation will talk about how I have blessed you and about your wonderful land. I, the Lord, all-powerful, have spoken. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, and we'll see this again in one of the one of the scriptures here. In the Old Testament, you were to bring the tithe into the temple, and so it was going to provide uh, everything needed to operate the temple. It was going to uh, pay. The wages, I guess, for all the people that worked in the temple, and still there would be more for the needy. Well, it has changed in the New Testament. See, we're not under this curse, but we can have the blessing. And so we can still have these blessings of pouring out blessings that that we can't, uh, how, did, how did it say it? Get it over here that I will open the windows of heaven and flood you with blessing after blessing, that I will rebuke the devourer. That can be ours. Before they brought it to the temple and they dispersed it, and now the temple brings it to, because we're the temple. The temple brings it to the place that God has placed us, and it provides for the building, it pays the wages, and, and all of that. So things rarely change you know they just kind of mirror a little bit old testament to new testament and so that's why we should tithe not because we're under a curse because we're not under the curse we should tithe because it's the right thing to do and because i want uh the windows of heaven to open and uh a flood of blessing come on me i want him to rebuke the devourer you know, I've heard people saying it happened in our lives when Josie and I decided, well, we're going to, we have to tithe. We're going to tithe. Yeah, but you know what? We can't really afford it. But then we tithed and we didn't notice any different. Then we understood later on, he rebuked the devourer. We didn't have all of this stuff going on that was going on before because God said he would rebuke the devourer. And that's our that's our blessing for tithing. And so we don't have all the figuring to do on the tithing. What we've got to do is say, Holy Spirit, you're the leader in the truth. You know, I I don't have any I don't have a farm where I need to tithe the the crops. And I don't have this now. The Holy Spirit, what do I need to do? He'll make it easy for you.
No, there, there, there's some been battle, you know, so do I tithe, do I tithe off of the gross or do I tithe off the net? Whatever you have peace about. God receives our, uh, our offerings not based on the amount, but the attitude of the heart. Have an attitude of giving. Genesis 28 and 20 talks about Jacob. Uh, said, Jacob solemnly promised God, if you go with me and watch over me as I travel, and if you give me food and clothes and bring me safely home again, you will be my God. Made a deal. This rock will be your house, and I will, I will give back to you a tenth of everything you give to me. God's covenant with Jacob was for protection, food, and clothing, and it still applies to us today through our giving of the tithe. The promise of prosperity is directly linked to our obedience towards loving God and keeping his commandments. Lord, your God is uh, in... uh, in Deuteronomy says, Lord your God has given you has given you the land, your harvest will be so large that your storehouse will be full. Everyone on earth will know that you belong to the Lord, and they will be afraid of you. The Lord will give you a lot of children and make sure that your animals give birth to many young. The Lord will make the land produce large crops for you. The Lord will open the storehouses of sky of the skies where he keeps the rain, and he will send rain on your land at just the right time. That's important, isn't it, Brother Paul, to get the rain at the right time. He will make you successful in everything you do. You will have plenty of money to lend to other nations, but you won't need to borrow any yourself. If we obey his laws and teaching, the Lord will make you a leader among the nations and not a follower you will be wealthy and powerful, not poor and weak. Thank you, Lord. Okay, we're going to get into the New Testament. New Testament giving. And I can tell you I have seen this in my life. If you will do what it says, then God will take you to some place where you have never dreamed that you could be financial peace the new covenant in prosperity economics a new perspective thanks to Jesus we have a new perspective towards prosperity as sons and therefore heirs to God the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15 shows us the benefit of living as sons to the father prodigal son and it says and he said a man had two sons the younger of them said to his father father give me the share of the estate that falls to me 
So he said, I want, uh, I want my inheritance now. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant land. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father's and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as your hired hand. How many times do we plan things out? This is my plan. You do that and they always fall short of God's plan for you. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So as a father, I think he probably came to the gate every day. That's the loving father that we have. Hoping, knowing that someday that he would see his son coming back home. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slave, he cut him off. He wasn't going to let him say the rest of what he had planned to say. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on, his, on, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found, and they begin to celebrate. So, God's provision for us is for he will provide us clothing, the robe that he provided for the prodigal. We receive identity and acceptance as sons with authority, the ring on his finger. We receive freedom and peace, the sandals on his feet. We eat and actually feast. We are given the wealth belonging to the Father. The flip side of the story is that when we leave our Father's presence, we receive famine and lack. We become joined to the world. With the pigs, we're made slaves to the world. I think the, the transition he made from living in the world that his, his father was in to living with the pigs. God's plan for redeeming mankind as his children was made complete by giving his only begotten son, Jesus. Now we must choose whether to live in the Father's blessing or squander our inheritance as sons and prodigal, uncontrolled living away from the Father. The parable also clearly demonstrates that it is not God's will for us to live in poverty. Poverty leads to despair and depression, which leads 
into a life riddled with torment and pain. That is not our Father's heart. About the law of sowing and reaping, we talked earlier about givers and receivers and about takers. We can't be takers. We've got to live in a place where we sow back, where we give whatever. It doesn't matter whatever we give. And we'll see here where they talk about the scripture with the widow's might. And that's God's heart. He judges us by our heart. And so the story of the widow's might, all these people were giving all this thing, all this money, and she had two pennies. And she gave it, and Jesus said, she gave more than any one of them did. She gave all that she had. And that's God's hot heart toward us. So when I'm talking about sowing and reaping, I'm talking about giving. You've got to be obedient to God. But it doesn't matter if what God's telling you is a small amount because he looks at the heart. It's not how much you gave. It's your heart of obedience toward him. So Jesus reinforced and firmly established heaven's philosophy for economics. This is the law of sowing and reaping. Hearing God and having confidence that you hear his voice. Now, if you think, I'm not too sure about hearing God. The Bible says his sheep know his voice. You're a believer, you will know God's voice. You can even do like I did. I can say, I said one time, God, I'm not sure that that's your voice I hear. So show me, prove to me, and he did. He did. He told me to do something that I knew somebody else was supposed to do, and they didn't show up. I said, God, what's your voice, Lord? <laughs> I argued with him. I said, no, somebody else is supposed to do that. Uh, so you can ask God and he will prove himself to you. He will show you his voice so that you know what his voice sounds like. The Bible says, whatever you sow, you will reap. So if you want watermelon, you don't plant corn. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Mock. Is not mocked, for whatever man sows, this he shall also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. Now God looks at the heart, remember. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and who sows bountiful, bountifully will also reap bountifully. The widow's mite, the widow who sow her two mites, uh, sowed bountifully. It was all she had. Giving demands a return. 
Luke 6.38 says, Given it shall be given unto you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to your bosom. You know, I read this scripture and I think about sometimes when you're trying to put too much stuff in a small container. And so you put it in there and you've got some left and so you start shaking it like this and you get it to go down a little bit and so you put some more in there and then you still have more left so you get something and you start poking it like this and you've got to fill this thing up all this has got to get in finally it just runs over and that's what God blessing is like to us then that with good measure pressed down shaken together and running over shall God give into your bosom the way you treat others is the way you'll be treated. The law operates the same. Same authority as sowing and reaping. So can you believe that? Can you trust God with that? That's what faith is, is trust. Can we trust God in that? So Second Corinthians 9, 8 said, God is, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything. That's God's promise. Everything you need, you have. You may have an abundance for every good deed. Supplies, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for, for food. Second Corinthians 9.10 Now he who supplies seed to the sower, now he's asking us to be sowers, well he supplies the seed. What a deal is that? And bread for food will supply and multiply your seeds for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So he provides us with seed. And then as we as we move on and we begin to believe God for this, then he provides us, he multiplies that seed to us. So we sow more and more and we reap more and more. You know, it's... Uh, if you go out, I used to I used to plant a backyard garden, and and I go out and I plant okra, one little old seed of okra, and I got all these pods, and so you you end up planting more than you wanted, and so it's a gift that keeps on giving for you, and so so but that's the way the way God's deal is. You plant one little seed, and then. You get 10,000 10, pods of okra that have 100 pods in it, you know. Give with the proper attitude. Give cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Don't ever give out an obligation because it's, you're, you're not obligated to. God has placed this for you. But don't feel like you're obligated to, and don't uh, uh, don't give because you think you're forced to. That's not God. God never operates that way. Listen to the Holy Spirit and see what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Okay. Hoarding and greed. God does not pour abundance into our lives to keep for ourselves. 
God has called us to be a funnel of blessing that he can continually pour into and affect others by. And so we can be a funnel for God's blessing. The thing is that as we're a funnel, we're also sowing seeds. And so as we go and we reap from what God has provided, we have to get a bigger funnel because a funnel isn't big enough. Luke twelve fifteen through 21 says, Then he said to the crowd, Don't be greedy. Owning a lot of things won't make your life safe. So Jesus told them this story. A rich man's farm produced a big crop, and he said to himself, What can I do? I don't have a place large enough to store everything. Later he said, Now I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones where I can store all my grain and other goods. And I'll say to myself, You have stored up enough good things to last for years to come. Live it up, drink and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, You fool, tonight you will die. Then you will get what you then who will get what you stored up? This is what happens to people who store up everything for themselves but are poor in the sight of the Lord. All the riches are going to burn someday. Only the things we do for God will live on. So, uh, so as we as we get into this, God won't, won't prosper you above what you can handle. So you, we've got to get our mind, got to get our mind focused on God. The riches of this world isn't our goal. But God is God of more than enough, so he wants you to have more than enough in this world. We must guard our hearts and minds against a greedy and selfish spirit. We must live to give. And this is the the, the uh, scripture about the widow's might, and this is found in Luke 21. And this is Jesus, and said, He looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow putting in two copper coins. And he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them. For all, they all, out of their surplus, put into the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. So there's a difference, really, what God sees when you give out of an abundance and you give out of out of uh, you give uh, a sacrificial gift something that really uh, is really hard to do and, and I've shared this before in church but early in Josie and I's life we had got into uh uh, a hard place financially, and uh, you know that revolving revolving credit will eat your lunch, and uh, and that's what we got into anyway. And so we had begun to get in and understand uh, God's uh, God's plan for us in giving. And I had gone to work for a company that had a nice bonus program, but you didn't get it for a year. Well, when my 13th month rolled around, we had the best month that we ever had. 
And I thought, oh, yeah. You know, and we're thinking, man, we can pay this off. We can pay this off. And we can pay this off. And one day in our, one, one day in my quiet time with the Lord, Holy Spirit said, whenever you get that check, I want you to give it away. I want you to give it over here. I said, okay, I hope you talk to Josie about this. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things that you said, boy, I don't know how I'm going to start this off, you know. And Josie said that that's what we need to do. And in that, and it, and it was quite a bit of money. It was a lot of money for us at that time. It was our two two small copper coins, you know. But out of that, the Lord showed me a few years later that he gave me a business. Out of that, that has been really a stream of prosperity for us. But it all goes back to being obedient to this. If I hadn't have been obedient to this, if Josie hadn't have been obedient to this, then that never would have happened. So surplus givers give out of their abundance. Sacrificial givers give out of their need. If you've got a need, then sow some seeds toward that need. Pray and say, God, what, where do I need to sow for this need? That's God's kingdom. You give and you receive. You give and you receive. <coughs> Sacrificial givers, yeah, give out of their need. In order for us to be sacrificial givers, we must see God as our treasure and not money or thing. God's got to be our big treasure. Our treasure isn't uh, how many Ben Franklins we can get. Our treasure is, is God's love for us. And so we've got to change our thinking our prosperity, our wealth isn't in the wealth of this world. You take a match and stick it to ten hundred dollar bills and you just burn a thousand dollars. But that's where that's going what's going to happen to that is it's going to burn. So so focus on your real treasure, which is God. God's never going to leave you or forsake you. I thought at one time in my life I'd live in such a sorry life. I thought, well, God had left me, and I realized God had never left me Amen. in the midst of that. So God will never leave you. He's never going to abandon you. He's the only one that we can trust in that will be with us regardless of where we are, what we're doing, what we've done. It doesn't matter. God is going to be with you, and he's going to care for you. Our true treasure. Matthew six nineteen says, Don't store up treasures on earth. Moths and rust can destroy them, and thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy them, and thieves cannot break in and steal them. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. First Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves. pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice that money is not the problem. It's the love of money. Amen. Greed is the enemy's perversion of God's plan. Prosperity via generosity. 
Proverbs 11.25 says the generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be, uh, will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. And he who waters will also water himself. Now, I've been to places in my life where the only thing I could eat for two weeks was Vienna sausages. Don't even show me a can. <laughs> and I can tell you that you can mash them up and fry them and they still taste like Vienna sausages. <laughs> And I've been to that place in my life, and that's a sorry place to be. Like God said, I've been rich, and I've been poor, and rich is better. Amen. 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 And so God has given you true riches in, in, in him. That's where our treasure is. But he wants to bless you in, the, in this world, too, to have what you need. He's God of more than enough. I used to share with Gary and Co- Gary Cole and I used to meet every week, and uh, so he was talking about not having enough. And I said, "You know, God showed me a long time ago. At the, it was the end of the month. He said, what do you got in your pocket?' And I pulled it out, and there was a quarter. I said, "I got a quarter.'" He said, "Well, you're prospered above most people in this world. Tomorrow you get paid, and I blessed you with more than enough." And so that's kind of the attitude that we have to have in dealing with God. God is going to give us more than what we need. And he will give you, give you enough to store up uh, to, get to, to be the funnel that you provide. And, and, and so we don't, Josie and I know about that because we've got, we've got more than enough. And so we are grateful that sometimes God says, I want you to be this funnel for this need, for this need. The thing is, is hearing what God says. Sometimes there's a need that we want to help somebody with, and he said no. You know, the scripture in 1 John 3 or 4, chapter 3 or 4, that says, if you have a, if, if there's a brother in need, and you go basically and say, hey, buddy, we're going to be praying for you. And you have the means to meet that need. Then the love of God is not in you. And so on that deal, you don't have to pray about should I help him. Because God's already said if you don't, then the love of God's not in you. So what you got to pray is. God, what am I to do to help my brother? You may be surprised what he tells you because a lot of times it's not what you think. I know one time we was wanting to help some people in trouble. And God said, in financial trouble, said, God said, go buy them some groceries. Said, Don't give them any money. Go buy them some groceries. So we went and bought groceries because God, in the midst of what they were going through, God was working in them. A deal of trust. And then we found out later. And so they saw the food and they said, I, we knew that we were going to be okay. But God, God was providing us the food that we needed. So you always got to hear what God is telling you. Amen. A lot of times God, you, God's telling you to do something that's different from what you think you want to do. 
And you don't want to do something that's going to change what God has to do to to meet somebody's needs. So the main thing is you got to hear from God. God God taught us to be good stewards. Good stewards of money, good stewards of every gift that he's given us. I shared on the healing, God has called us to be good stewards of our body. And we shouldn't abuse our body. Because if we don't actively rule over the money, then the money begins to rule over us. You can't let money rule over you. Use it or lose it. In the parable of the talents, the man who did nothing with the money, the master gave him, lost what he had been, what had he had been given, and was handed over to be ruled by poverty. When we foolishly handle the money God has entrusted with us, we end up losing what we had given and enslaved by poverty. To learn to become a better steward of your money, I encourage to attend financial freedom. If you're having trouble handling your money. And so, if you know the parable, the guy went and buried the money. Because I knew that you could be ruthless. And I didn't want to lose it, you know, out of fear. And so, with the the finances that God gives to us, then we've got to we got to receive it in the knowledge that it's still God's that He gave it to us. And so we don't hold it like this. Dave Ramsey says you hold it like this. You hold something like this and you feel the stress in that whenever you're clenching, trying to hold on to something, and if it's like this, there's no stress to it. Okay. Matthew six thirty three. We must all learn to trust God to meet all of our needs. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And what things is he referring to? Food, water, your clothing. Every time I go into Josie and I's closet, I see all those shoes, and I say, Well, God has really blessed you. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I, I shouldn't have said that. But <laughs> oh. Food, water, clothing, and shelter. <laughs> I stay in trouble. <laughs> oh. oh. Gosh, where are we at here? <laughs> when we seek after wisdom and knowledge, God gives us riches, wealth, and honor. You know that? Amen. After we seek after God's wisdom and knowledge, God will give us wisdom and knowledge, but He also gives us riches, wealth, and honor. 
I know that because in Second Corinthians 1, 7 through 12, remembering that God is not a respecter of persons, is on that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord, let your promise to David my father be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for you can judge this great people of yours. Then God said to Solomon, Because this was your part, and you have not asked for riches or wealth, or honor, or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made your king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth, and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. God's provision and blessing is for those who seek first his kingdom. Fear him, walk in righteousness, delight and meditate in the word and reject sin. It's so easy. No, it's not easy. We know more about this world than we know about the kingdom of God. But just the way it is. It takes a real relationship as sons to our father. As it was with a prodigal son, the father beckons all of us to come home and live by the riches and glory through Christ Jesus as family. Now. I have a friend of mine that uh, was telling me that he knows a guy that went to China on a mission trip. And then as he was leaving, he said, well, we'll be praying for you. And this Chinese guy said, we'll be praying for you. And so he took a couple steps and he said, I don't know what he's going to pray for us about. <laughs> you know? So he said, so what are you going to be praying for us? And he said, persecution because the church in America is so weak. Tell you a little history about our country. And, you know, we saw a deal on some missionaries at the turn of the turn of the twentieth century that God was sending them to Africa or somewhere. And they took and packed all they belonged in a coffin. And that's how they shifted because they knew they weren't coming back. Dedicated. Servants of God. And so that's a heart that's turned toward God. And when I heard that, I, I was really convicted over that. And so I was thinking, uh, I remember in, whenever I was young, being raised in a Baptist church, that if somebody got saved, we would say, oh, Jeremiah, he gave his heart to the Lord today. You won't hear that anymore. And so sometimes I wonder if we know whenever we come to the Lord that he desires our heart. 
This is all about the heart of God. All about that. And so sometimes I think we see the God as the, uh, as the sugar daddy, not as the almighty God. You know? And so what does it mean to give your heart, heart to Jesus, you think? I think if I give my heart to Jesus, that means it doesn't belong to me anymore. And so my heart is my desires. And so whenever I give all my desires to, to, to God, and he's made provision. We went over the scriptures today and talked about it a little bit. And so we know that we, we sow and we reap. God has, has made this spiritual law, which is a law kind of like the natural laws of gravity. You know, gravity's going to be here as long as this earth is spinning like this. And this is a spiritual law, which means when we sow, we're going to reap. I mean, there's no if to it. It's a spiritual law. God has placed this here. And so what is my motivation in this? Is it to become wealthy? The wealth of the world? I don't think so. I mean, sometimes I wonder how much is enough. You know, and we see we see people of the world that they just got to climb that next rung on the ladder, you know. No, no, Joe, he's got more than I do. And he's got more than he ever spent in a lifetime. His heart doesn't belong to Jesus. Because that's not Jesus. So, I encourage you. This is a foundations class. Foundations is what we should learn first in our walk with the Lord. And as we learn these things, I, I encourage you to listen and hear what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Because pretty regular, God tells me, you haven't given that to me. I want you to give that to me. One of the big, one of the big changes in my life came after reading Good Morning Holy Spirit, book, And I realized that Holy Spirit was the third member of the Godhead, and I can talk to him. He's the one that God sent to be here and to lead me into all truth. Jesus isn't here. He's at the right hand of the Father. And But we've got Holy Spirit, and so... I went through a time, and this was part of this book. Too. This is this, in this book. They said, if if you want some freedom, this is what you do. And I'm talking still about giving your heart to Jesus. Every morning when you wake up, this is the Good Morning Holy Spirit deal. Say, Holy Spirit, take from me today what is not from you that I can give you, and prepare me to give you what else I have. And I was faithful in that for about two years. Had more freedom than I ever experienced because Holy Spirit is here to lead us into all truth.
And so if we're going to start this sowing and reaping deal, then you're going to be blessed with more than you ever had, I promise you. So we've got to make sure that we handle it the way God wants us to handle his well. Now, he doesn't mind you going and buying something, you know. That's not the deal. That's not the deal. He might not want you to go buy a Harley if you got kids, you know. Because <laughs> so you kind of step out of his zone whenever you do that. No, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, we see somebody riding a Harley with a, with a helmet, without a helmet on him, we think. Organ donor, hope he didn't have any kids. You know, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that was you that taught me that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm just saying that, <laughs> that giving your heart to Jesus is an ongoing process that we will have all the rest of our days. And I heard a guy say once that if whenever I got saved, God took everything that was unholy out of my life, I couldn't have stood it. I'd probably died. My body would have probably died because I'm so infested with this with so many years in the world. And so, anyway, God bless you. And uh, I promise you that God didn't make us to be a people of need. God's made us to be a people that walk in abundance. Poverty is a curse. And God's abundance is a blessing. So, God bless you.